The Squiz is a free weekday email and podcast where your shortcut to being informed. Our weekday podcast is brought to you by Bupa, supporting the health of millions of Australians because life happens. Find out more at bupa.com.au. Good morning, I'm Claire Kimball. And I'm Larissa Moore. It's Monday the 6th of July. In your squeeze today, total lockdown for some Melbourne residents, the Eden Monero by-election result, renewed pressure on Prince Andrew, and all power to potatoes. This is your squeeze today. Starting today with an update on Melbourne's COVID-19 spike, the residents of nine public housing towers in Flemington and North Melbourne have been placed under hard lockdown. It's the most serious we've seen here in Australia. It's quite the sight, Claire, with police officers stationed to keep 3,000 residents inside their apartments. They're not to leave under any circumstances. And as you can imagine, there's plenty of residents there who aren't too happy about that situation. Lots of reports yesterday about people not getting food for 18, 20 hours or so, and that's something that the government says that they'll do better at. But they're locked down now for at least five days. Premier Daniel Andrews yesterday said that it'll take that long for officials to get around and test everyone at least once. He said that anyone who refused to be tested uh, meant that that lockdown could last longer, and he says that the government has had to do it because there were patterns of movement, friendship groups and family groups within that tower that could see that spike in Victoria of cases get even bigger and then out of control. He also says things aren't likely to improve in the short term and to prepare for some big numbers. To recap, there are 760 new cases in the last fortnight. 12 postcodes in Melbourne are now under stage three restrictions, only supposed to leave their houses for essentials. Looking worldwide now, another single day record was created, 212,326 new cases in a 24-hour period. The World Health Organization is particularly concerned about countries which are starting to reopen. Yeah, they're really worried about this acceleration in cases. They say that there's a number of countries who seem to get on top of things and then ease restrictions, and that has led to a spike in cases. The United States is one of those. It continues to log really big numbers from really big states, the likes of California, Texas and Florida. There's also parts of the north of Spain that have been put back into lockdown after they had had that serious round of cases early in the piece and then eased restrictions. So they've moved there. Lots of scenes though from the UK on the weekend, they called it Super Saturday with pubs and restaurants opening. Lots of vision of people really inundating the streets to get their first proper pint for many, many weeks. Yeah, lots of summer sunshine and lots of British people out for a pint. There's a few political updates to get through this morning. First up, Claire, let's go to the by-election held in Eden Monero. Labor is claiming a win for Christy McBain. She has finished 737 votes ahead in that count yesterday. The Electoral Commission says that they've counted all of the votes that they have in their hands. They've now got to wait the mandatory two-week period for all the postal votes to come in, but they're confident enough that they have an unassailable lead over the Liberals to be able to declare victory there. And still in federal politics, Finance Minister Matthias Cormann has announced that he'll be leaving politics by the end of the year. It's a really tough life if you're a senior federal politician based in Western Australia. As you mm. can imagine, that trip backwards and forwards across the country really does take a toll. And he's been doing that since he was elected in 2007. He's not 50 years old yet and he's got quite a young family. And he says that there's a physical limit for how long you can do that job. He's also been in that final 
finance role, which is a very key role, of course, not just when Parliament is sitting, uh, but throughout the year to make sure that the numbers are heading in the right direction and then putting together the budgets for the next year. It's a very big job and he says that he's reached his limit and that's it for him. He will leave at the end of the year after the budget is handed down in October. He's the longest serving finance minister and his replacement will lead to a cabinet reshuffle. Over to US politics now. Lots going on during their 4th of July weekend. President Donald Trump delivered his Independence Day address. He spoke about safeguarding our values from looters, leftists and agitators. Themes we'll probably hear a lot more of as the November election date gets closer. The sense is that President Trump really has laid down some political tracks that will take him through the election campaign, and that is a focus on these angry mobs who want to tear down our statues, erase our history and indoctrinate our children. That's one of the really big calls to action, it seems, that he's looking for that Republican base to come back and support him when they get to voting uh, in November. And just to round out the political news, Kanye West has announced he's running for president as well in 2020. He hasn't yet registered to run with the Federal Election Commission, so it'll be interesting to see how far he goes, but he's got support, Claire, already from pretty big name, Elon Musk. He does, and also his wife, Kim, has supported him. I'm just hoping that he changes his name to Christian billionaire genius Kanye (laughs) West, which is something that he said he was going to do a few months ago. That would be a great name on the ballot paper. Maybe that's what he's registered under. They just haven't clocked that change yet. (laughs) And that's probably enough politics for a Monday. Over to the UK now. And the arrest of Ghislaine Maxwell is putting renewed pressure on Prince Andrew's association with Jeffrey Epstein. US prosecutors are still very keen to talk to him. Yeah, there's a lot of foxing going on, it seems, between whether those prosecutors have made overtures for Andrew to talk to them uh, or whether Andrew isn't doing that. And there's no real clarity on that. But there might be a bit more to know about that later in the week. The prosecutor uh, who has been leading that Epstein case in New York is going before a congressional committee. He was sacked by Donald Trump uh, just a couple of weeks ago. So we might know a little bit more. But when it comes to this case, certainly there's a lot of focus on Ghislaine Maxwell and her connections, particularly uh, through to the royal family and pictures yesterday surfacing of her sitting on the throne uh, Mm. in Buckingham Palace really was quite shocking to many people. Wrapping up with the actual big news story today, a very brave man named Callan Boys has written the definitive ranking of potatoes in all of their various wonderful glories. I know you're going to have strong feelings about this, Claire. What's the verdict and is he correct? Look, very strong feelings about this. (laughs) There is no such thing as a bad potato, so I'm quite open to it and all of its forms. But yeah, the, the tragedy for me is that you can't put soup in the top 10. There's no no place for soup. Soup's not really a food. It's a liquid that you drink. I thought you'd have <laughs> strong feelings <laughs> about that one. <laughs> when you've got a list of 30 variations of potatoes, it does not have a place in the top 10. But <laughs> otherwise, I celebrate him for at least shining a light on this important issue. It was a good run through some pretty delicious dishes. Number one was a daffinoise potatoes. We call it potato bake. Pretty delicious. I support that as number one. <laughs> 
Each day you give us a song lyric that relates to the news. What are we singing today? Gone for a Maggie Rogers song, I Count My Time in Dog Years, is the lyric. And that goes to our squeeze sayings this morning. There's a new research paper out that tries to align dog years with human years. And pretty much the long story short is that a one-year-old pup compares to a 30-year-old human. And they've done some work on the sliding scale from there. So your dog's age goes up very quickly and then it sort of plateaus once it gets to about seven. You might go and look at your dog a little differently this morning. Your four-year-old dog (laughs) is having a midlife crisis now. (laughs) That's all from us. Have a good Monday and we will be back with you tomorrow. The Squiz is a free weekday email and podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Sign up at thesquiz.com.au. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super, one of Australia's most awarded super funds. It can be hard to know where the best place to grow your super is, but with awards like CanStar's Outstanding Value three years in a row and Money Magazine's 2024 Ultra Long Term Performance, Aware Super's 1.1 million members can be confident their super is in good hands. Visit aware.com.au forward slash awards to find out more. Awards are only one consideration. Read the PDS and TMD on the website.